Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. My mantra of say yes, I try to live it every single day. I think you'd have no idea what the experiences and the opportunities and the people you might meet are unless you put yourself into that situation. I think that a lot of people won't say yes because they start thinking about all the negative things that would happen. I might be late, it's gonna cost a lot of money. So they don't take that opportunity, but I think that you miss so much. Welcome to One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. We're a passionate community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research. I'm your host and Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an unstoppable community, and it's through research we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners for making all of this possible. The American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. Wendy Chioji was an amazing human being. It's truly hard to describe someone who, in many aspects, was indescribable. But the closest we can get to explaining her character is fearless. There's not much Wendy didn't say yes to. She fought cancer three times. She was a TV news anchor in Orlando, Florida at WESH. When her cancer returned a third time, she left that successful job to pursue other adventures like hiking, running, and even multiple long-distance triathlons. Wendy also kept a blog on growingbolder.com where she wrote, Crossing a finish line for any race is extra special for me as a cancer survivor. It's one finish line, one more victory after cancer tried to kill me the first time. Ultimately, Wendy's finish line came far too soon, but we take comfort in the fact that her magnetic spirit, much like her personality, is and will forever be a force to be reckoned with. This episode has been titled, Say Yes. But before we get to the inspiring stories, we have Pelotonia's CEO, Doug Ullman, who will be guiding us through this storytelling experience. Doug, welcome. Thanks, Joe. I want to start with, you know, really, how did you get to know Wendy? I met Wendy more than 20 years ago, and it was during a partnership called the Tour of Hope, where they were putting together a team of inspiring individuals to ride their bikes across the country and raise awareness for clinical trials. And Wendy was selected based on her personal uh, cancer diagnosis to be a part of that team. And that's how I met her and uh, our friendship developed uh, over the last two decades. I mean, that's so interesting that, you know, 20 years ago, it started with cycling, but how did she get into the Pelotonia community over time? You know, Wendy was one of these individuals who showed up for everything. She would never miss an opportunity to participate. And whether that was initially in that, that tour of hope cross country ride, or whether that was in, 
in Iron Man in Kona or whether that was in one of the Livestrong rides in Austin, she was always there and always present. And so when I had the privilege of coming to join the Pelotonia team, she was one of the first people who reached out and said, I'll be there. I'll, I'll come ride. And she was here every year. What is the, you know, the history and, and the story behind Team Wendy that has started? You know, Wendy had all sorts of relationships and friendships. Um, she had an entire community in Orlando that followed her from her days on TV there. Um, she had the cancer survivorship sort of advocacy community that she had developed relationships with. She had friends everywhere. I mean, all around the world. And, and then obviously her family. And so Team Wendy was created to honor her legacy and to help inspire others and to share what so many of us learned from our friendship with Wendy over the years. And it's amazing to see the diversity of people who uh, have committed to participate as a part of the team because they loved Wendy. And so some of these people on Team Wendy, you had the the privilege and honor of of talking to for this episode. And so who did you talk to and, and who are we going to hear from today? I had the privilege of talking to three remarkable individuals, uh, Alex Arado, Mark Middleton, and Jen Chiogioji, and they all bring unique perspectives. Alex and Wendy met through the cancer survivorship advocacy community as fundraisers and active participants. Mark was a dear friend of Wendy's, initially Wendy's boss and mentor and collaborator over many, many years. Jen is Wendy's niece, but more than that, she's her best friend. And so each of them brings a unique perspective on the impact and legacy of Wendy Chioji. So to kick off this episode, we're gonna hear from Alex Arado. How would you describe Wendy to someone who never had the chance to meet her? Relentlessly positive in the face of constant and recurring and worsening circumstances. She was, she was always just the, what is, what is the best possible spin you can put on it? And if you were asking me what best possible spin I could put on it, hers would be five times better by default. Because she had to deal with so many different cancer diagnoses over her lifetime, I just think she really did have that every day as a gift. No matter how crappy it may appear to you looking at me, I know this is a gift and I'm going to make the most of it mentality. I can absolutely appreciate the value of every single moment. When I'm feeling good like now, my view is much broader. It's very big. When I'm not feeling that great, when I was feeling like my ribs were broken because I had tumors pressing against my heart, um, the scope just gets a little bit smaller. It just, it expands and it contracts, but it's always hopeful and I'm always appreciative. Is there any story or anecdote that you think sums up her character and her sort of approach to life? It was probably the last time I saw her, uh, which was the last Pelotonia ride that we did together. You know, I hadn't seen Wendy for a year. She was never a big person, but she was really small when I saw her. And she was 
she was bone tired. And I, and I mean that unfortunately, quite literally. And she was having a hard time breathing uh, at the start. And she said, you know, you should just go ahead without me. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. And I said, no, I told you for the last three months, I'm your wingman today. I'll ride with you. We can stop as often as you want. She said, okay. And we got started and, you know, I am not a strong rider. You know, Wendy at her best was a very strong rider. We barely made it out of the start. I don't think we made it more than about two miles when she stopped and she just said, look, I, I can't breathe. And now she couldn't breathe because, you know, the tumors in her chest were preventing one of her two lungs from inflating at all. And the second lung was also impacted. So, of course, she couldn't breathe. So we wait for the SAG person, and she puts her bike in, and she gets in the truck. And I said, okay, you know, I'll hop in now, too. And she said, you know, no, you go enjoy your ride. I'll see you at the finish. What I didn't realize is that Wendy had gotten out of the SAG car about a mile before the finish because she was going to cross the finish line on her bike. And I was greeted at the finish by Wendy, who just said, you know, I only have one lung and I still beat you to the finish. Pelotonia shows me that there's strength, um, strength in numbers, that there is this huge army of people that, I mean, they're not all cancer survivors in there. It's a fraction of people who are cancer survivors on the road, but they're all working together towards this one goal. And um, it's a goal I can definitely live with since it's my goal too. Um, it's just being part of something as big and with as big a heart as this. Um, it feeds me, this is, feeds me. And one of the remarkable things about Wendy is that I don't think we as her friends ever really knew how bad things were because she was so positive and optimistic. And I remember as well seeing her um, that that day and just thinking, gosh, this is this is the, the the most frail and the most labored breathing that I'd ever seen. And but it just speaks to the fact that she showed up. You know, the fact that she was there, um, I think obviously in hindsight means so much more given what she knew she was enduring. You know, there there's the person who has a pebble in their shoe and every step they're like, ugh, I got a pebble in my shoe. And Wendy would have been the person who ran a marathon saying, yeah, I knew I had a pebble in my shoe, but I wasn't going to stop for the damn pebble. You have um, graciously uh, volunteered to be a captain of Team Wendy. What will that mean? And what do you hope will come from the gathering of Team Wendy? The only thing you leave behind are the memories people have of you. And Wendy inspired a lot of really strong, uniformly positive, glowing memories. You know, when she passed, her Facebook page was this outpouring of, oh, I hadn't seen Wendy in five years, six years, nine years. I hadn't, you know, I saw Wendy two weeks ago. I'm hoping that whether it's only as a virtual community or an actual community subset in Columbus, that people can share those stories and, and remember what it is about, about her that really impacted you and, and, and inspired you and touched you and 
you know, for some people, it's as simple as I think of Wendy every time I go to a buffet and I start with dessert uh, or have pie for breakfast, which was a Wendy thing. Let me be really clear. She was not wrong. Last year was the first year that I ever wrote a note that had nothing to do with my own family, whether it was my father and, and his story or the story of my mother and, and what she had to go through as an even younger widow uh, or, you know, how it impacted me or then later stories about my kids. Last year was the first time I ever wrote anything about anybody else. It was about Wendy and that last ride and how it impacted me. And that note resonated with a lot of people that another story of, oh, great, Alex, tell me a little bit more about you and, and the same story you've told a version of one way or another for 20 years now. Uh, yeah. It'll be, I'm hoping that, again, as, as we go out and we spread that message, it's not building some, you know, cult of Wendy as much as it is just spreading that message of what she meant to me and why she was important to me and why I'm doing this ride in her memory, in her honor, and hopefully inspire other people through that. I, I will tell you that Wendy was one of the first people, if not the first person close to our family who our kids saw pass away. And I get the pleasure of telling my kids about her almost on a daily basis. She would bring our kids little things. One of the things that she brought was a little stuffed animal of a moose. And it's a, from Park City. And my daughter sleeps with that moose every night. And almost every night when we tuck my daughter in, she says, good night, Moosey. And she asks me about Wendy. And I hadn't thought about it in this way, but for someone who was eight at the time, you know, to see somebody pass away that's been in their home, friends with their parents, um, even though she didn't know our kids that well, our kids knew her and sharing her story into the future will be important because the lessons of whether it's eating pie for breakfast or saying yes, or things that she just um, lived by, those are lessons that we can all um, sort of take for, for the future. So is there anything else you want to share that you've learned from, from Wendy or, or that you take from your friendship uh, with her? You know, you said that one of her things was say yes. And that really, it, it was who she was like, well, why are you climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? Well, they asked me if I wanted to. And what'd you say? Well, I said, yes. My mantra of say yes, I try to live it every single day. I think you have no idea what the experiences and the opportunities and the people you might meet are unless you put yourself into that situation. I think that a lot of people won't say yes because they start thinking about all the negative things that would happen. I might be late, it's gonna cost a lot of money. So they don't take that opportunity, but I think that you miss so much. I have zero regrets about the way that I've lived my life, particularly the last five years, because it's very, very rare, maybe it never happens, that I don't say yes. I think that um, 
you never know what's out there and you can't experience it unless you put yourself in it. So I say, take the opportunity and say yes. Next up, we're gonna to talk to Mark Middleton, friend, mentor, collaborator, and former colleague many, many years ago of Wendy Chioji. I met Wendy in 1985, Doug. I got a job uh, at, at a station in Savannah, Georgia, and Wendy was there when I arrived. Uh, you know, we just hit it off immediately, and I think you, you know Wendy and I both very well, so you won't be surprised that we became fast friends, and, and I became a, a great admirer of Wendy. And I was there for less than two years, and I got hired in Orlando. And as soon as I got to Orlando, I started pressuring the news director to interview Wendy for any job that would come up. And eventually he gave in and brought her to Orlando and talked to her and offered her a job. And, and then I pressured her as hard as I could to accept the job uh, just because I wanted to be around her. I mean, obviously believed in her talent, but I just enjoyed her company. And, you know, I worked with her here until I quit in 2016. And as you know, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2001. Uh, she quit to start a new life uh, a year and a half after I quit uh, to start a new company. And I immediately went to her and, uh, and again, pressured her to become, uh, you know, a part-time team member of Growing Boulder. And she did stories for us remotely. So, you know, I found a way from the day I met her, Doug, to, you know, remain not only personally, but professionally connected with her. Because, uh, you know, as you know, she's just one of those people that brings something to the party. Yeah, you know, there's so many threads for, from what you just shared. I mean, you know, you you worked together, but you did more than that. You were with each other hours on hours on hours covering the highs and lows of society and sort of going through that experience together. It must have been really powerful. Wendy and I were never more than really, really good friends. And uh, and honestly, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how that happened or it, it, it just we, we became such good friends that um uh, that that was really all we needed, but but yeah, it, it was it was just a friendship that, that that was born of a desire to try to extract as much out of life uh, as we can. And you know, I learned so much from her uh, before she was diagnosed, but but especially as as you and everybody else did after she was diagnosed. My friends have got me through this. My friends and my family have totally got me through this. It's a it's an amazing safety net support system that I don't need often, but when I do need it, it's, it's, a, it's a very comforting thing to know that they're gonna be there with the net to tell me whatever it is I need to hear. Well, that, that's one of my questions. I mean, again, you knew her for so long prior to her diagnosis. And so you knew of her professional talent, clearly. I didn't know her then. And so I, I just wonder if you can shed some insights into sort of Wendy pre-cancer diagnosis? You know, I, I think from a straight up talent technique evaluation, and, and you know, I, I would say this to Wendy, uh, I, I don't think she was the, the, the greatest television talent that ever lived. But what she was, and, and I say this to everybody, is she is one of the very rare television talents that I have ever known that, that had the ability to appeal to every viewer, uh, regardless of age, regardless of demographic, regardless of gender, regardless of religion, regardless of 
anything, everybody related to Wendy. You know, in that way, she was really a remarkable talent who, who, who brought great value to, to whomever she, she worked for. You know, she was one of these women, you know, you, you, you read the research and, and, you know, women are very critical of other women that are on the air. They find fault with them in many, many ways. Uh, men look at women and, you know, and many men immediately, you know, have, you know, thoughts other than what the, what, 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 what the news is about. Wendy was somebody, uh, you know, that, that, that everybody admired in, 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 in really the, the highest and, and coolest uh, and most human way possible. So, um, yeah, I, I can't explain. I don't know how she did it or why she did it, but she was always like that. Wendy always had uh, a spark in her eye. She was always quick to smile. She was always seemed to be a little devious. She was always, uh, you know, thinking beyond what, what exactly the conversation mm-hmm. was. And, um, and, and that made everybody love her. Friendship is a fragile thing, can be a fragile thing that you actually have to invest yourself in and invest time in and emotion and um, spirituality and listening um, and sharing. How did that impact your relationship with Wendy? She was always achieving more. She was always setting these audacious goals. She was always going off and doing things post her cancer diagnosis. And I just wonder if your friendship also sort of was was built and forged over that mutual um, sort of aspirational approach to life. Wendy was relentless. And, and I think to, to be successful in our business, and I, and I know in yours as well, uh, it, it's about a passion and passion drives persistence. And if you're not persistent, you're never going to get to where you, you need to be. Wendy decided she wanted to be a triathlete. She wanted to be an adventure racer. Um, Wendy was flat-footed. She ran like a duck. Uh, she had very little raw natural speed. But I remember one time uh, I lined up with her to run a 5K uh, here in Orlando, and I lost sight of her within two blocks. She was gone. Uh, couldn't care less that she left me behind, uh, but she just did her thing. And, and I think that's what she was like in everything that she did. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff that she did athletically did not come to her naturally. I, she was not a, you know, a world-class athlete uh, genetically. She didn't have a history of, of that kind of stuff. She just decided that she thought it was cool. She understood that it was good for her health. She loved the communities that uh, were formed around those activities. And she just threw herself into it 110% like she did everything. So in 2008, I quit my job as a television news anchor and moved to Park City, Utah with no job and didn't know what I was going to do besides skiing in the winter and go to concerts and drink wine in the summer. But um, wow, it was the best thing ever. So I think that what it did for me was make me appreciate every single day that I feel good. Um, Cause there's not, it's about evenly split now, days that I wake up feeling good and days that I wake up not feeling so good. It just makes you appreciate everything. It makes you appreciate the people in your life. It makes you appreciate that there wasn't much wind out today and it's not a hundred degrees. It makes you appreciate everything. I know I do every day, I'm grateful. You know, one of the things having worked with cancer survivors and families for, for a long time now that I find remarkable about Wendy is that she left her career at the top. I wasn't surprised by that. Local television is a very difficult, 
struggle. You know, you, it's it, it's not as glamorous as it seems until you achieve the level that Wendy did. Uh, and then, although Wendy was a brilliant writer, as you know, uh, when you get to be that level, you've got someone that's doing your makeup every day. You've got a clothing allowance. You've got uh, really qualified, talented producers writing for you. And essentially, you show up and they clip a microphone on you and you read a teleprompter. And because you're so damn good at it, uh, you get paid a whole lot of money to do it. Uh, and that's where Wendy was. Uh, she was beloved. She was one of these people that, uh, you know, she was not a sacred cow, but unless she did something immoral or illegal, they would never have gotten rid of her. It would have only gotten easier and easier. Her life was set. Uh, but it was not difficult for her to walk away. I mean, Doug, as you, when we've talked about, you know more than anybody. It many times takes this diagnosis, uh, you know, to, to to have an epiphany about what really is important in life. Uh, Wendy was fortunate. She was uh, had no children, uh, was single. But when she left, she did not live an extravagant life at all. She, you know, was a was a mountain guide. She, you know, she did not spend any money on anything other than experience, other than travel, other than doing things. So uh, she was fearless. And, and, and I think that's what it came down to. So I wasn't surprised when she quit and when she left. Um, she knew that there was more to life than what she was doing, and she was anxious to find it. This has just been the most amazing adventure. It's just such a test of character and, and willpower and desire to do something great for people. Let's talk about a trip we took to Mount Kilimanjaro in 2014, when you and Wendy and myself and 13 others um, had what I describe as the opportunity of a lifetime to do something special together in these boots in which our toes are cold <laughs> exactly <laughs> we've got what five thousand feet more to go five thousand feet in 36 hours and we'll be standing on top of uh on the roof of africa uh, i was the oldest guy uh on the climb by i think at least 10 years uh, i did zero preparation at all <laughs> i convinced myself that you know that, that that right between the years i had enough to get me to the top of the mountain but as you know uh it was not easy for me um, but I did get up there, and, um, and and you're right. It was it was one of these remarkable experiences. <laughs> uh, and and I will never forget the first night when it was pouring rain, and we were in that tent, and I was just listening to the rain, thinking, <laughs> "Where? What are we doing?" But you know, the bottom line is, it's freezing cold here. We're sleeping in these tents with no pillows. We're 5,000 feet from the top of this damn mountain. It's rained every single day. Every single day. We gotta it's say the food is pretty good. Food is really good. We've had, had French, some fries, French fries that were unbelievable. Uh, I, I interviewed Wendy in Park City a couple of months before we went. She was just finishing radiation and uh, and I asked her, did, did your doctor clear you to go? And she said, I didn't ask. Um, and you know, so, so, so she literally didn't ask because she was afraid what the, um, you know what the answer would be, but it, it was unbelievably important for her to do it. And and it wasn't about doing it for herself or proving to herself that she could do it. She had would just bought into your mission, Doug. You know, she bought into Livestrong. She bought into Survivor Summit as she bought into Pelotonia, uh, you know, at, at the end. She wanted to 
you know, use her voice. She wanted to be part of something to spread the message that more is possible, that, you know, we can come back, that, you know, that life is worth fighting for. So, you know, she was determined uh, to go. And uh, it was not easy for her either. Uh, you know, as you know, she was she was, you know, bleeding from her throat, probably from the radiation on the way up there. She was hypoxic. She was, she was out of it. She was out of it. But she, uh, you know, she liked the rest of us. You know, one one step in front of the other. She was determined to make a statement uh, on behalf of cancer survivors. I don't have trouble being self-motivated into making every day the best day ever. Realizing that it could be your last. It could be your last every day that you wake up. But I will say that I still get frustration when I see friends and family, um, not naming any names, not taking full advantage of good health, of resources, of free time, and making their lives everything they can be. There's so many people who will not know Wendy, right? And don't know Wendy. And we, we, we knew of her mantras. We knew of her, you know, affinity for pie. We knew of her mantra of say yes. We knew of how she always showed up. What lessons or or messages do you take that you would love to pass on to those who, unfortunately, now will never get the chance to meet Wendy? Uh, you know, I always, you know, would say we did the last interview ever with Wendy. Uh, in, in truth, it wasn't. It was yours. You know, we did a, a sit down with her where I asked her, you know, I, I just said, Wendy, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. And she said, do it. And, uh, you know, and she said, I, I, I'm not going to get out of here alive. I, I don't have uh, much time left. Uh, and she shared with, with, with us, you know, very candid, you know, her, her philosophy. And, and she said, I have zero regrets uh, in my life uh, because she did, uh, take that risk. She did learn to understand the, you know, the value of, of every breath and every moment. I live for today and tomorrow. I always have an adventure on the front burner. I have an adventure on every single burner. And what you said earlier about people not realizing how precious time is until they have some kind of life crisis is absolutely true. So I've had the crisis um, and I'm going to, I'm listening, I'm paying attention and I'm going to take every advantage and every opportunity they possibly can for however many days that I have left. She's always been a more of a best friend to me than an aunt, um, which I thought that's just how every aunt was, with, you know, like I thought that's how every relationship was. And I kind of realized how unique and special that was. Jen Chiogioji, Wendy's niece, her best friend, her traveling companion, and someone whose career choices were inspired by Wendy. My favorite memory that I don't remember, but I've been told is when I was really, really young, I think like just a couple years old, we came down to see her on set at WESH and I ran, tried to run towards her while she was on air and my grandpa would like scoop me up. <laughs> right before. I just always wanted to be around her. I'm curious, like as her niece, but also close friend, what was her life like for you prior to her diagnosis? Before cancer, I mean, not much really was different. She was still this bright light and, you know, we were always so excited when Aunt Wendy was coming to visit or when we'd go visit Orlando and see her on TV. Um, and I don't know, she was just always the coolest, like 
most fun person. Like you never had a bad time. You're always looking forward to hanging out with her. You're always so happy when you left hanging out with her. And, um, yeah, she was just always so positive and I always bragged about her. I remember in first grade, she was like, we had to write about someone we looked up to and it was always, you know, it was, I wrote about her and I think the That's person, amazing. you know, post, you know, you knew like not much was different before. Like she was always that positive light. Interesting connection, obviously from a career standpoint, right? So you have this best friend, you have this aunt who's more of a best friend uh, slash sister and you're pursuing journalism. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, I mean, you must've been like pretty enamored with your aunt. I mean, your aunt's like the top of her game and you're going to visit her. You're, well, you're smaller. You're running on the set to try to see (laughs) from an early age. Like what impact did she have on your career choice? Watching her tell these stories and, you know, that passion she had for that. When I got to college, I wanted to be, in sports journalism. And, um, you know, she helped get me an internship with West and, you know, she helped me kind of navigate what I wanted to do. And eventually when I decided, you know, I wanted to be behind the camera, um, and produce instead of being on air, like she, I don't know, she just gave such good advice and made me feel like I was on the right track and, you know, was really supportive. And I think especially when I got, I, when I got to the NFL network, she was just like my number one cheerleader, you know, like I'd send her links and she'd give me her thoughts. And that was like a cool extra dynamic to her, like your extra layer to our relationship. Even days that I'm not feeling great, I'm going to go to yoga. I'm going to go get on the bike. I'm going to do an orange theory class. I'm going to do something because tomorrow or next week, I'm going to feel better because I did that. It's, it's all groundwork. It constantly in my case, I'm constantly laying groundwork for physical, mental, emotional, because I know it's gonna get eroded away. It happens. So if I can build it up when I'm feeling good, I try to do that for the times that I'm not feeling so good. I'm curious, like you, I mean, again, you described it as like a best friend. I think that's the way she felt clearly. Was that from like the earliest memories you can you can think of? Yeah, you know, I'm the oldest of five, so four siblings, but her and I, like, we were always just so close. Um, You know, I called her for advice, I called her to vent or whatever. Um, She was always my first call. So I don't know, like, I don't know how, I mean, obviously I've known her my whole life, but I don't know how it started. It just kind of organically became, you know, let's become travel buddies. And so we just, you know, we went to Belize together and, you know, we just did all, she was always down for whatever. My favorite memory is every time I would see her, she was like, okay, so we're going to get up at 5 a.m. and do an orange theory class, right? And I was like, what? She's like, okay, we're going to get up at 6 a.m. and we're going to run 10 miles. I'm like, what? Like, I'm not that fit. <laughs> but I'm like, if she can do it, like she's battling cancer, I can get up and certainly go to a class with her. Um, so she was, you know, she never quit. She always was like, let's be active. Let's go outside, let's go explore, Um, let's go see the sunrise somewhere. You know, it was always that, uh, which at the time I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting up at 4.30, but now (laughs) I can laugh and be like, yeah, that was, that was fun. That adventurous spirit that I think you guys shared and, you know, she just raved about the times that you guys got to travel together. You know, how did that start? Was that really her instigation or was that sort of a joint, hey, let's do these things together? Yeah. Um, well, you know, my grand, her dad, my grandpa, uh, really loves to travel and he kind of, I think 
probably started it all. We used to go on these family trips around Europe and, um, yeah, we loved them. And when Wendy moved here and she wasn't, you know, working full time, like she had a lot more time. And uh, I was also freelancing in television. So we just made it work. And her say yes, you know, mentality, I'd be like, hey, I'm interested in this. Do you want to come? She's like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, uh, she was always a doer, never a talker. So it was, you know, it was fun. We always were both kind of just down to explore and travel and try new things. Oh my gosh, I have the best life. I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. No matter what happens, I have the greatest life. Sometimes it's just to make sure that you appreciate the good stuff, that the bad stuff comes. Where do you think she got her, like, magnetism and her energy from? Like, did that come from a young age? Did that come from her television career? Was it just who she was? I think it was just who she was. Um, She knew from a young age she wanted to write stories and be a storyteller and, you know, same with me. Um, yeah, as long as I can remember, she, you know, we would be out to dinner in Orlando and people would come up to her and be like, are you any Chiyoji? And like, she would have a conversation, you know, she never, she made time for everyone. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't realize how rare and special that was until, you know, later on, but I think she's just always been that way. She always set whatever she set her mind to, she was going to do. Um, and no one was going to stop her. And, uh, yeah, she was always a go-getter and always just whatever she set her mind to, she was going to do. On days that are great, beautiful, and I have things happening and, and I'm not feeling well enough to participate, um, my regret would be not having more days like that. Um, but I don't really think about that. I can't think about that. It's a big downer. One of the things that I remember so vividly is the fact that she always showed up mm-hmm. like she didn't miss anything you know yeah. she would never miss an event she would never you know and even in 2019 in august when she came to pelotonia i mean she she flew in late on saturday night just to yeah. try to ride a few miles on sunday and you know even though i had talked to her those weeks leading up i didn't think I didn't really have a full appreciation of what was going on until I saw her and until I heard her breathing. And I, you know, and I thought to myself, what an amazing characteristic and quality, like to not miss anything, to always Mm -hmm. show up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw her. So I had quit my job in 2019 in like September and I was going to go take this big year abroad. Um, And so I went home before to Maryland where she was getting her treatment and she was staying with my parents um, right before I left. So that was the last time I saw her and it was really special, but um, yeah, she had flown to go, I think to her high school reunion and, um, you know, just seeing the condition she was in towards the end, like for her to push through and still even want to talk to anyone, (laughs) you know, I mean, it was, it was hard at the end. Um, But yeah, I think that's, a really good point. She showed up for everything. She wouldn't miss it. Um, Pelotonia was so, so special to her. We talked about it all the time. My three diagnoses have made me appreciate life. I appreciate being able to get up in the morning. I appreciate all the days that I feel good. I try not to take anything for granted. Um, I tell people I love them all the time. I go places and I do things because we're none of us guaranteed tomorrow, which is a cliche, but pretty true if you think about it. I appreciate that it's a beautiful day for Pelotonia and not too windy. I um, am grateful for every day.
one of the things about Pelotonia that's so special is really it's just a community of people. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, she just thrived on being around other people who both gave her energy, but also got energy from her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a great characteristic to have um, yeah. because she was so resilient and because she was so strong, both physically and sort of psychologically, you never really could tell what was going on. And even when she was in tremendous, you know, pain or dealing with major challenges, she always had a smile. I think it's harder sometimes because of her positive attitude, because you just, you just know it's going to work out. You just think, well, how could it not work out? I mean, she's smiling. She's happy. She's on her bike. She's climbing mountains. She's whatever she's doing is, is, is energizing. And, um, so yeah, it's just, it's a wonderful characteristic. And also I think just made it harder to process. Yeah, absolutely. I think for my family as well, like we, you know, we knew she was struggling, but I was like, she'll figure it out. Like she's always looking for the next trial. She's such an advocate for herself. Like she'll find something that'll help. And she, yeah, she always thought that as well. I remember one time she, I forget what it was. She told me, I started crying and she was like, do not cry. She was like, I will be fine. Like no tears. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I gotta, I gotta get it together. Um, <laughs> <Right. but laughs> yeah. She, um, yeah. Even till the end, I mean, she was like, I'll figure it out. And you know, if these options are av- when they become available, like there was always something next. She was always looking ahead and that put us at ease. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think the shock, I mean, I was living in Colombia in South America and my dad texted me and, you know, I had taken a turn and I was like, what? Like it was shocking. Um, cause I, you know, I thought I'd see around the holidays. So, um, yeah, like you said, a yeah. good quality, but also very, you know, when it went really downhill, it was very shocking. Yeah. There's, it's almost like a psychological disconnect because mm-hmm. somebody's so vibrant and, and energized and excited and optimistic. And, and so you just don't think that anything other than that same quality of life right. would, would occur. Um, and I was the same way. It was like, you know, nothing's going to happen to Wendy. You know, how could this happen to Wendy? Wendy's living her best life, you know, yeah. even in the face of great She's adversity. There's so much to do and see. Right. Yeah. Right. But even, even when we, when she and I were, were climbing Kilimanjaro, I mean, she had just done treatment a few months before. And most people see these pictures and these videos of her on the mountain and they would have no idea that, you know, she had just endured so much just prior to that, that trip. And um, again, it just speaks to her incredible character and and personality. What do you hope that, you know, this, this community of friends and relatives and acquaintances and all the people who are joining team Wendy, like what, what's your, what's your hope for that group in terms of impacting cancer research and in honor of, of Wendy? I think what she would want for Team Wendy, for everyone to push themselves outside of their comfort zones and um, yeah, just try something new, say yes. I've never been afraid, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of pain, I'm not afraid of uh, feeling badly, I don't like it, but I'm not afraid of it. So I think that uh, fear never, never has weighed in as part of the equation, um, just makes me more stubborn and I'm that. Gosh, I hope that we're talking cures for cancer um, in 10 years, if everybody works together. So the more that we can collaborate 
um, and work together and work toward the same goal and not do duplicate research and waste money that way, the quicker we're going to come up to that goal. And I totally think it's reachable. We want to thank Alex, Mark, and Jen for their time to tell these wonderful memories of Wendy and to Doug for hosting the conversations as well. Special thanks to Mark and his team at Growing Boulder who gave us additional audio to use in this episode. Finally, I want to highlight something really special that happened after Wendy's passing. Our team at Pelotonia was humbled to learn that she had left the organization a gift from her estate. We are grateful beyond belief that Wendy would choose Pelotonia for this incredibly selfless gift, creating a legacy to continue funding immunotherapy and honoring survivors for many, many years to come. We want to acknowledge our major funding partners who make all of this possible, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. On the next episode of One Goal, you'll get to know a father-daughter duo whose experience with cancer has only drawn them closer. This has been One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. I'm your host, cancer survivor and COO of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blauer. One Goal is carefully crafted and produced at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero. Mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orange Udio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being willing to share their inspiring journeys for this podcast. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe so you can get seasons one and two, as well as future episodes. If you want to learn more about the Pelotonia community and how you can make an impact on cancer research, see the link in the show notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.